Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. I know everyone loves to hear this guy. So once again, we have Run For God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Now you're just telling lies, Dean. (laughs) But thanks for having me. So this is episode 30B, because we split this last episode, because that story was so good from Todd, we just couldn't stop talking about it. Right. And yeah, I mean, it was kind of a last minute decision. We actually did it while we were in, it wasn't planned that way, but we started realizing that that episode was going to be two hours long if yeah. if we kept going. So we wanted to respect everybody's time. And, and uh, so, yeah, we're here for part two of episode 30. Yeah, yeah. So um, so we we had a trivia question uh-huh. last week. And so let's, let's answer that trivia question. Okay. Um, that trivia question was there was a famous author of a running-related book in the 1970s. Um, at the time, it was the most popular running book ever published. Who was it? What was he doing when he died, and what was the name of the book? And I had no idea on this one. Yeah. I've known the answer to every other one without looking it up, but I didn't know this one. Well, there was a guy named Jim Fix, and Jim Fix wrote a book called The Complete Book of Running, and it was published in 1977. Jim Fix also wrote a lot of other books, too. Interestingly, Jim Fix was a really smart guy. Um, he was part of Menza, and he was... Um, he wrote these puzzle books for smart people, these like logic puzzle type books. Remind me what Mensa is? Mensa is for smart people. They're, you know, you have to have a certain IQ to be. So I guess that's Mensa. why I don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. but You uh, kind you of wanna, implied it If there. you want to throw your It's stuff. for smart people as you were staring at me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so here's what happened with, with Jim Fix. Jim Fix died while he was running. He had a heart attack and died while he was running. He was only 52 years old. Wow. Um, they found out he, was, he had a, a history. His family had a history of heart disease. Um, his father had died at 43 oh, during wow. his second heart attack. And so uh, this was not necessarily a surprise. There was a history in his family. It's so much better. Medicine is so much better today and helps um, with people who are in this this situation today, can do what he was doing, but but back then it was it was uh, I don't know if it was he shouldn't have been doing it or he just, just should have been getting more medical care because as runners we tend to be pigheaded, right? We mm-hmm. tend to think that mm-hmm. we're fine. Yeah. But even runners need to be really cognizant of their health. It turned out that his um, arteries were ninety five percent, eighty five percent, and seventy percent blocked. So wow. it's amazing that he was even able to run. At that point, um, here's what's another interesting thing, and this is I kind of want to park here for just a second. He wrote another book. Okay, so here's a guy. He wrote a book called The Complete. Listen to the words, The Complete Book of Running, and then he wrote Jim Fix's second book on running. <laughs> okay, Guess the first one wasn't complete because the first one was not complete. Um, <laughs> But that shows how much we know, right? Even today, there are things that where 
we think we know everything, mm-hmm. but we don't. No. Right? And things change. Um, even things as simple as running. I mean, running is a pretty simple activity. But there was enough that changed in a few years between that first book and his next book that it he, he had enough material to write another full book over 200 pages long. So wow. isn't that – that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, you think about – I mean, running's changed just since Run for God started. Yeah. In the period of 10 years, There's there's been a lot of things changed, especially – Technology. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, we bannered back and forth last week about the uh, the carbon shoe rise. Yeah. Um, which, interestingly enough, I just I just remembered that I didn't I didn't say this last week. You know, we, we kind of got into a little back and forth about the carbon shoe, and you know, you and I have debated whether that's good or bad in the past, and we've we've kind of been on opposite sides at times. But I argue that. The carbon shoe saved my son Lane's cross-country season. It did. Possibly running career. Who knows? Possibly, yeah. Because a few weeks ago, he was running. He was doing a training run, and it was a long run, Saturday long run, and he was trying to do his fastest long run while behaving and by behaving, I mean staying close to a, a heart rate zone, trying to trying to keep his breathing in check. Yeah. So it was all by feel, pretty much. But he was wanting to break that six minute barrier for his long run, and uh, so he had to wear his carbon shoes for that run. You know, Lane, he'll he'll change shoes three times in some workouts. <laughs> yeah. He's a little bit obsessed with the different kind of shoes. But he was going out, and I was there at the at the. And he was wearing the carbon plate shoes. He was wearing the carbon plate shoes. He went out for his run. Uh, Holly and I, we stayed close at the church property, which is where we all meet for our Saturday long runs. And I was looking at my watch, and I thought, Lane should be back by now. Most of the other guys were already back, and I thought, well, he's just having a bad run. You know, he went out too fast. He's probably crashed and burned, and he's limping his way back in. Uh, and one of the guys come in, and they said, no, he had to – one of our other teammates lives – at about the turnaround point and uh he said no lane had to go to my house he stepped on a nail and i thought oh no i mean growing up in the construction industry i've stepped on plenty of nails and i know that not only does it hurt it's weeks before you can really put a lot of pressure back on that foot especially Mm -hmm. if the nail's rusty and you got to get a tetanus shot and puncture wounds are bad i mean it's it's horrible and i thought well there goes lane's cross-country season because we were at the time, we were kind of right in the middle of cross country. You got region coming up, you got state coming up, you got all mm. these big races coming up, and I thought, well, it's over for him. And then we see Lane come cruising back in, and, and it looks like he's running his his normal pace. And he comes in. I said, somebody said you stepped on a nail. He said I did. He said it was a roofing nail turned upside down on the sidewalk, and it penetrated the carbon. But it only came through just barely, so it felt like a rock in my shoe. And he said, I stopped by Harris's house, who is the, the, the young man that we were telling you about, and he said I had to get a pair of pliers to get it out. But had that carbon plate not been there, the nail was still sticking out of the shoe a good ways, he said. Yeah. Had that carbon plate not been there, that nail would have went straight into his foot Yeah. and probably cost him his season, maybe even more. So... You, we've had the debate on whether they're bad or good. 
they're good. Definitely in that case. They saved <laughs> Lane's run. They saved the rest of his season and probably more. So, but he uh, got a hole in his carbon plate. I and mean, that's, that's the funny thing. He was so <laughs> mad that his new Nike, whatever they are, Vapor Flies or Next Percents, what, that he got a hole in the carbon. Yeah. And that it, it caused him to have to pause his Garmin because, you know, in the running world, that's like yeah, satanic they, cult. If you, <laughs> if you have to pause your Garmin and uh, – so yeah, I mean that's. I thought that was a pretty cool story and a good testament to, to that piece of carbon in that shoe. Just one of those, the, the things that come on the side there yeah. that uh, it's, it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah, some of these changes are good. I, I think about some of these other changes too. I, you know, there was a time where hydration got to be a really really huge issue, and particularly in marathon running, right? Yeah, and so people were so consumed with i gotta drink water i gotta drink water i gotta drink water i gotta drink water as you should be as you should be yeah please don't don't hear me say you don't need to drink water during a marathon but what happened was there were people who died during marathons and the reason they were died they died is not because they were dehydrated it was because they were overhydrated mm -hmm. there's a thing called hyponatremia and what happens mm -hmm. is you you water down the level of electrolytes in your blood to the point where they can't conduct electricity anymore mm -hmm. and you just your body quits working Short circuit yeah and and that happens by drinking too much water right. and so tim noakes came out with a book who's a famous doctor from south africa who's written several books um, including the lore of running which may be the the greatest running book that's ever been published um, but it's called waterlogged and it talked about how people can drink too much mm -hmm. and so we went from being consumed with drinking too much to realizing oh whoa, hold on a second there's a limit mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fine to drink a lot of water but be careful don't drink too much water uh, and so that's just stuff we've learned along the way i mean that's just in the last 20 years that we've learned that right. so um, it's neat to see all of that that change it makes me think about the bible you know how much do we know how much do we really know right because the bible is full of of things that we're we don't know the full true interpretation of we the book of revelation i mean there's a lot of different people who have a lot of different opinions on what mm -hmm. the book of revelation says mm -hmm. um, but this is what i find most interesting about the bible and about the little bit of little bit of mystery there's a lot of things that are very very clear in the bible but there's a lot of places where there are archaeological things in the bible particularly obviously in the old testament there's some things in there that we have found out over the last just over the last 20 30 40 years that people who were anti-bible people would say well that's that can't be true mm -hmm. and then we find this archaeological thing where we find out oh yeah that was true and it never really gets much notice yeah i mean they're finding they're still finding manuscripts from yeah from non Bible books back then, you know, manuscripts from I don't know who all they're from, but they those manuscripts back up from that time period That's right. what was being told in the Bible. Um Interestingly when you talk about manuscripts too, I don't know how many people know this, but there are more manuscripts for the Bible and the books of the Bible by far than anything that was written in that time, including very very popular works of art that we we talk about you know you, you talk about um the iliad and the odyssey and the these books that are classic books that have been around for hundreds of years there are way way more manuscripts about the that are from the bible or from mm -hmm. original manuscripts than there are about those things it's the number one best-selling book of all time that's right by far that's right by far and uh 
there's so many books out there that people hang their hat on nowadays that were written recently and the author of that book is kind of questionable but yet they'll hang they'll hang their whole argument about <laughs> how our how our cosmos began yeah on that yeah but yeah you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's interesting talking about Jim Fix's thing where he went from the Old Testament. I mean, he went from the Old Testament. He went from the <laughs> complete book of running to the second book of running. It's kind of like the Old Testament, New Testament. Sure. Right? We have we have a follow up right. to the Old Testament, you know, and of course, there's a segment of, of the population who thinks the Old Testament is still all that really matters. But but we know it's the uh, it's the Old and New Testament. Um, and oh, how, oh, how important mm-hmm. is that New Testament? Um do you think it's difficult to accept this whole idea that we don't know everything? Put you on the spot there? Well, no, not That's, really, because I trust you to get this podcast ready every week. Even though I have no idea what we're going to talk about until you send me something in the morning that we're going to be recording. And I don't need to know because I trust you. And I trust you because we have a relationship. And it's exactly the same. Do I know everything in the Bible? Does everything in the Bible make sense to me? No, it doesn't. But the main things make sense. Yeah. And so everything doesn't have to make sense because I have a relationship with the creator of the world, a personal relationship, a person whom I talk to every day try to talk to every day i read what his word says um and i and i talk to him yeah. every day and so i don't i don't have to know everything and i think that's that's where atheists try to hang us so many times is well, well you can't you can't tell me what that means okay i can't tell you what that means that's okay i i i accept this entire document as a whole and I don't need to know what it all means. Um, and the truth is, there's only one thing you need to know. Christ died. You need to know why he died. And you need to believe that he died. And you need to accept that. And then I need that. And that yeah. You, yeah, yeah that's, and and that's, that's the four walls of our faith right there. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, there's many areas of our life where we just accept. Yeah. But why is this so different so many times? And... It's, it's because there's a spiritual war there. That's, That's why. exactly why. Yep. Hey, so there are Run Club exclusives out there. There are things that we do that are, that are special and significant for Run Club. And here's one thing that we do exclusively. It's we send out these weekly texts. Mm-hmm. So usually on Fridays, uh, not always on Fridays, but most of the time on Fridays, I send a text out. And it's just it's something encouraging. It could be anything. It could be uh, about something that maybe we talked about that week in the podcast or something on Thursday night, or it could be something completely unrelated, mm-hmm. just something that kind of strikes me as being important in the day. And um, those weekly texts, I think, are uh, a lot of people enjoy them. And the cool thing about them is most texts you get nowadays, and I don't know how some people get my phone number because I get all these crazy yeah. sign up for this, sign up for that text. Uh, most texts nowadays are wanting you to do something they're needing you to do something but not these that's right these are simply um they're hopefully designed for you to look at it and then smile and have exactly a good day. Yeah. yeah i mean they i i get them and i love seeing them because 
because usually I kind of forget about them, yeah. and then boom, there comes one. Yeah. And so it's uh, you know we get a lot of emails, we get a lot of different correspondence, but text is is still fairly sacred. Yeah. You know the the marketers they're they're, they're itching their way into that, which I don't like, um, but you can simply stay stop to most of those and you'll be taken off whatever list but um yeah these are great tests it's just another perk of being a member of run club which by the way have we ever said how much it is run club is 27 cents a day holy smokes that's that's not even close to a cup of coffee i mean that's i mean it's nothing. a piece of bubble gum it's yeah yeah a day it. so yeah you need to be a part of run club Hey, we're sponsored by J Radio, and we have some playlists on J Radio, and we're eventually going to have a Run for God channel on J Radio. So you're going to want to be a part of the what we call the world's greatest digital platform. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at jradio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. And we are back, and we are in episode 30B, so normally we have a different story, but this time we're going to go straight into Dean's thoughts, which is an unusual thing. But I am sure you guys are runners, and anybody who is a runner is used to dealing with things on the fly, because that's just what we do. Mm -hmm. We learn how to do that, and so that's what we're going to do. But first, let's talk about becoming a Run Club ambassador, right? So... How do we? Rec- how does somebody become a Run Club ambassador? So the ambassadorship is something that we started um, several weeks ago, and it basically we have a competition every month. And if you want to become an ambassador, just log into your Run Club uh, page and go to I think it's somewhere on the bottom that talks about becoming an ambassador. Click on that, sign up, and we're going to send you a unique code. It's typically going to be your first name and your last initial. So for you, it would be Dean T. Once you get that code, then you can start sharing all the, the material that we send you, marketing material, and you can share that with your sphere of influence. Maybe it's your friends or your family or your Run for God class if you're an instructor. And each month, the person who gets the most people to sign up using their code, they get a gift pack. And in that gift pack is a three-month membership free to J Radio, which is the greatest digital music platform there is. You get to create your own playlist. Now, this is very unique because yeah. how many streaming uh, audio services, music services, do you know where you can have a playlist on there? And so people from all over the world will be listening to your playlist. And you also get a Run for God gift pack. Uh, we'll have some great Run for God gear in there. And we'll send this all to you completely free, and we're going to give one of these away every single month. You can win as many times as you want to win. Wow. And so... Uh, yeah, become a become an ambassador. You, you're going to help us grow this run club. You know our desire. Our desire is to reach people with the name of Jesus through the sport of running. And we can't do it alone. And so we need people just like you listening to this to come along beside us 
and and help us get the word out about Run Club. All right. It is now time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And here's the question. Can you know too much about someone or something? Well, let's find out in a story called Familiarity Breeds Contempt. Okay, maybe that title is a little extreme, but hear me out. How much do you know about running? If you've been doing it for years, chances are that you have studied a number of angles surrounding our sport. (laughs) I've forgotten as much as I know. When someone asks me a question about running, I reach into the memory banks and I pull out some experience I've had over my 40 plus years of running. It is rather handy to have all that knowledge with me all the time. But there's a problem with all that knowledge. As soon as I'm asked a question or someone is telling me about their problems, I immediately go straight to my experiences. I filter everyone else's experience through my own. Most of the time it leads me to a useful answer but occasionally it gets in the way. If someone tells me they have calf pain, for example, I immediately begin to think about what I have done to fix my own calf problems. That may be fine, but it may not. There's a real possibility that I won't listen fully to the, po- to the problem if I've already formed a picture of the solution in my head. And it gets worse. As soon as I have an issue with my running, I will think about what I have done in the past. And that may work great, but it may not. And not only will I shortchange what someone else is telling me if they're trying to help, I may not listen to my own body. After all, (laughs) I already know the answer. Don't get me wrong, it's far better to know too much than not enough. But preconceived notions can lead down a troubled path. Following the wrong protocol can be very detrimental to recovery or improvement or whatever you're trying to accomplish. That can lead to frustration as you fail to reach goals and which in turn can lead to negative feelings or contempt for running or the things surrounding running. Does that sound like it's a little bit of a stretch? Well, Maybe it's not that extreme for you but I have seen those who really get discouraged. I've seen many a runner who are at the point of giving up because of this type of exasperation. A few years ago, I had a particularly nasty pain in my left glute. I stretched, I rolled, I iced, and I rested. And those were all the things that I had done in the past with success. Only this time, it wasn't working. Oh, I might get a little better, but it didn't take long for it to go right back where I was. So what do you do when it's not working? (laughs) You do some more, right? Well, I did more, and I got the same results. (laughs) Imagine that. I was so tired of hurting. And then I was at a race. A friend of mine told me that he had experienced something that sounded very very similar, and he explained to me what made it better. He sat on a tennis ball while he was driving his car. At this point, I was willing to try anything. So I put a tennis ball in my car, and I sat on that tennis ball every time I drove. It got to the point where I was getting tender from digging that tennis ball into my glutes so much. But you know what else happened? My pain went away. It worked. All that work I'd been doing based on my knowledge of the situation yielded zero results. A simple non-time-consuming solution 
was waiting for me as soon as I was able to quit trying the things that I just knew were going to work. I had seen a lot of glute pain issues. I'd seen just about all of them solved by one of those things I was trying. But not this time. Familiarity had bred contempt. When Jesus went back to his hometown in Matthew chapter 13 and began to teach in the local synagogue, according to verse 54, the people were astonished by his teaching. But they immediately moved on to questioning how this guy, who had grown up in Nazareth, could possibly be the man that amazed them. Surely no one born into this family could be what they saw before them. Their familiarity with the family had bred contempt. Jesus understood, as he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. Have you ever seen someone who turned his life around? Maybe he was into all manner of bad behavior, and the next time you see him, he's changed. It happens often when Jesus fills the hearts of a new believer. But who among us has not been skeptical when we first witnessed that change? It takes time to rid ourselves of the memories we have. You can let what you know cloud your judgment. We see it all the time in our world. Everyone has a preconceived notion of what is going on and they view everything through their lens of experience. In the case of an injury, it can get in the way of both the diagnosis and the solution. In the case of a new Christian, it can cloud the way we see that person. Even in the case of Jesus himself, the people of his hometown didn't see him as he was, but as they thought he should be. Well, what if we casted all of that aside and we started viewing each person each day as a new creature and full of any possibility? Wouldn't it be a vastly different world if our first assumption was always a positive one? God sees our potential when he looks at us. He is ever hopeful that we will turn in that direction when we are off course. If God treats us that way, shouldn't we treat others that way? It's hmm. a great story, Dean. Yeah, you know, my wife is really good at at looking at people and seeing the best in people. Uh, it's just all the time where she just makes these comments when we walk away from somebody. We just meet. Right. And she's always looking at the good in people. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a natural skeptic. I think, um, but this is one of those, this is one of those areas in my life where I think God has really taught me through the years, um, to get above and extend grace. And and it's the idea that Christians are stereotyped as, is crazy, um, radical, money hungry, lost their ways. I mean, we're, we're, we're in pretty good company because that's exactly what the... (laughs) heretics back in Jesus's day accused him of but the religious leaders exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. but and, and I think ministries are even worse um, mm. you know I've been told not to my face but on the phone that we're simply doing run for God for the money mm. and used to I got mad uh, I think I've been told this twice um more recently I just wanted to laugh um, because as we're sitting here videoing or or cutting this podcast everybody on our staff everybody is doing something to supplement their income 
Yep. Um, and we're grateful for that. We yeah. love that. Um, you know, we've been lucky through the years. Not lucky. We've been blessed through the years to have people come alongside us who are good at marketing. They're good at graphic design. They're they're good at, at making this ministry very presentable. And, and I'm I'm grateful for that. But it's so funny that it's it's kind of given us this perception out in the world that that we're something that we're not. And I don't say that in a bad way because I think it's good. I think yeah. I think we have quality products. But it's just like when people call into our offices and they say, I need to speak to your shipping department. Well, if you don't know anything about our back office, Holly, my wife, Gay Coker, who everybody knows, if, if you're listening to this, or if, especially if you've taught a class, they handle the shipping, the packing, the printing, the customer service, and the instructor relations. They do all that. Yeah. I mean, you and I think we've got it bad because we're sitting here talking on some microphones. Meanwhile, they're back <laughs> doing a lot of the hard work. But they'll call in and ask to speak to the shipping department. Holly will put her hand over the phone and say, Gay, there's a call for you. <laughs> and it's it's people think that we're something um, that we're not. And it's it's there again. It's that it's that preconceived notions that you talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, in the fall when we ask for financial support, which we usually do in the late fall, um, around about November or so, it's because there's a real need there. And it's not because we're needing to to pad our bank account. And I get it. There, there are ministries out there through the years who have went off the rails and, and lost their way. Yeah. And unfortunately, they become the focus and the definition for that that stereotype. But I've I've learned I've learned that I have to get above that and yeah. just keep doing what we're doing. And more importantly, I don't need to let that get us down because that can I'll never forget the first time that gentleman said that to me. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt. I mean, it cut deep. And this was from a fellow believer. Yeah. And I I understand that I have to get above that because I know that there's nothing that the that the devil wants more than for me to allow that to get in my crawl. And if you're not Southern, then you probably don't understand what that term means. <laughs> um, but I have a choice. You know, we've, we've talked for the past two weeks about choices. Yeah. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to let those types of comments drag us down? Or are we going to get above it? And then on the flip side of that, are we one of those people? Yeah. Do do we do just like what you're saying here? You you, you made the comment. I'm, I'm tired of hearing people assign motives. Are we one of those people? Yeah. Because that's what the world wants. Mm-hmm. The world wants us to be that critic and to tear people down. When what we need to be doing is saying, "How can I help?" Yeah. It obviously looks like you're doing things to bring people to Christ. How can I help? And I think the minute we do that, and that's a focus shift that. That'll bring more joy into our lives. You know, the best way, the best way to get joy is to give. Yeah. And yeah, I, I you think know, it's why in, in this day and time of, and and we're gonna, <laughs> we'll get into politics a little bit here, but um, you know, <laughs> we're the gonna poli- get us in trouble. The, the political arena right now is so caustic because of this. Sure. Because we're assigning um, blame to everything. And we're assuming that everybody has the worst intentions. And sometimes, you know, we just think differently. 
And and you know what? One person has a solution for one thing, and another has another solution. You know, the only thing that matters to me is is it biblical? Right. And a lot of things with government aren't biblical or not biblical. It's just what it is. It's just right. a determination on how you handle something. And I get it. I get that there's there's passionate thoughts on both sides of of these issues. And I'm one of those. I have some of those passionate thoughts, and mm-hmm. I find myself sometimes. You know, going, oh, this person just all they want to do is tear down. And and in the meantime, I'm talking about them tearing down and I'm tearing them down. Yeah. And and so we've got we we need more Jesus, more Jesus and more people recognizing that he's the one that should be in control. We wouldn't have so many problems. You know, two of the greatest commandments is love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And man, I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of not doing the latter yeah and <laughs> we we all we wanna... have to we have to do more that you know i'm i'm not i'm not going to get into politics <laughs> but we have to love god and love our neighbor and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on yeah democrat republican independent if we can all gr- agree that we need more than that, that we need more of that, then we can create a new party. How about the Jesus party? There you go. Um, because Now yeah, you're preaching I, and politicking. Well, <laughs> but politics has gotten so poisonous. Yeah. And I don't care which side you're on. I think you can agree to that. Yeah. I mean, the other day, this new Supreme Court justice that they're – trying to get confirmed. I mean, appears from all accounts to be a very nice lady, has a big family, a, a blended family. They've adopted kids. They've got a, a child with special needs. And I actually heard somebody in the media attacking her for parading her kids out like she was using them for a prop. <laughs> that confirmation hearing or that confirmation or wherever, he, when when President Trump nominated her, it's the biggest day of her life. Yeah. She brought her family and she was attacked for that. Yeah. Now, this is not a political statement. You need to check your heart. Yeah. If you're doing that. Yeah. Um, because it, it falls right into exactly what your whole story is about. We just we have a side, we've we've drawn the battle lines, and we're gonna attack at all costs. And you know, here all back I was watching a, deb- a debate from years ago. Um it wasn't like what that mess was the other night that, that we saw that they called a debate. Yeah. It was civil. Yeah. They respected each other, even though they had deep differences. You yeah. know, they talk about uh, Antonin Scalia and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how they couldn't be more opposite people. Yeah. But they loved each other. Their mm-hmm. families did stuff together. And we can learn from that. Yeah, we can. That That is not – I mean, that is biblical, but – Take the Bible out of it. They were two human beings, which I don't know. I don't have any idea on their stance with Christ. Yeah. I don't know if either one of them are saved, but they led by example. Yeah, the Supreme did. Court, opposite ends of the spectrum, were showing how we should be living in our political environment, in our lives, and we're just we're just not doing it right now. And we need more Jesus. Yeah, we do. We do. It's uh, it's sad to see. And I've got a couple of friends of mine uh, over the years. I, I enjoy debating. 
and I enjoy talking about things. And politics is one of those things. We all, I think we probably all enjoy to some degree mm-hmm. talking about politics. And um, I had a couple of friends who were just there on the opposite aisle from, from where I am. Mm-hmm. And we would have such great discussions. Every once in a while, we might get a little, go a little further. A little hotter than the collar. Uh, but for the most part, they were always respectful. And we, maybe we'd go to lunch afterwards because we were just friends debating stuff that we disagreed on. And we've got to get to that point in mm-hmm. this world where we can dig- disagree and agree that, you know, I, we, I've talked about hunting before. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to hunt. Mm-hmm. None at all. It, does, it doesn't interest me at all. You love hunting. Mm-hmm. That's great. I can listen to your hunting stories and with interest mm-hmm. because I think I think they are interesting. Now, I don't want to go out and do it myself. I have no desire to go sit in a tree and when it's freezing outside waiting for something to happen. But that's great. Mm-hmm. But we look at politics like it's all different. Like, like there's a just because I don't like what you think that that's different than me not liking hunting. It's really not. It's really not different. It's really the same thing. We... We've got to go back to the time, or we've got to come to the understanding that I can have a deep, deep disagreement with somebody. I mean, on the fundamentals of, you call it politics, but it's biblical, we can have an incredibly deep disagreement, yet I can still love you Mm -hmm. because Christ loved me. I did more to offend Christ than you will ever do to offend me. But yet Christ loved us all the way to the cross. And we've lost sight of that, I think. Yeah. Uh, can we get back? Yes. But it's going to mean us falling on our face yeah. and turning the TV off and tuning the politicians out and saying, God, we need you back in our country. Yeah. Amen. Amen. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. We are back, and just recently we had this uh, world record attempt. It's really kind of cool the way that they've had these world record attempts um, on on TV. This and this one was this one was on, and it was free, and you could get online and you could watch it. And it was a 10K attempt. Joshua Chepta guy. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you saw it. I didn't. But it was but real, I, I it was kind of high tech. You know, we talk about technology the last couple of weeks and Yeah, the, you were just telling me about this and I didn't I didn't realize this is how it went down. Yeah, they had this light that ran around the track at the world record pace and all he had to do was keep up with that light. So it was a crazy even paced race because he he stayed right there around where that light was the whole time. And uh yeah, he this gosh, that's just amazing. 26:11 for 10k. So they that's went, two 13-minute 5Ks, in yeah. case you're not doing that math. 
They went through the first 5K, and he had a he had a pacer that took him through the first 5K in 1307. They they came through. That's where he wanted to be was 1307. First question is where did they find that pacer? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many people in the world that can run a 1307 to start with, but then he comes back and he runs the second half in 1304. I mean, uh, just that's just crazy, crazy, crazy. We need one of those things on the track for our yeah. cross country runners. That would be good. Yeah. The guy is from Uganda, and they talked with him afterwards and interviewed him a little bit. And mm-hmm. he seems like a really good representative of the sport. He was just—he was really concerned about moving the sport of running forward. And I thought, how how great is that? Because he's a young guy. For a young guy to have that much awareness about what he's doing and how impactful what he's doing is. But he's also the guy. You haven't said this yet, I don't think. That just two months ago broke the five k world record. Yep, he did. Same guy, two months apart. Same guy. Pretty yep. impressive. What was the 5K world record? 12, 1237. 12.37. 12.37. Which was slow, they said, <laughs> because it was it was really warm out that day. So they said he that slowed him down. If it had been cooler that day, he would have run faster. So we're looking at a sub 12.30 at some point in time. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I remember when the world record was not under 13 minutes. Um, and now we're talking about 1230. That's a long, long way. So, uh, yeah, he's so he's running this race at, at 412 pace for the mile. 412, this 10K, 412. Hmm. I don't know that many guys who can run 412. I don't, I don't know that I could do that for 100 yards. Yeah. What would that be in 100 yards? It would be like uh, for 100 meters, it would be less than 16 seconds. For 100 meters yeah that would i would be hard pressed to, yeah. to do that for 100 meters yeah that's pretty quick it's very impressive very impressive um yeah so we just talked a little bit about politics and do you get to the point now where you're just tuning it out or is it is it to the point where you're interested in it we're getting close to an election so we want to pay attention but then at the other hand you don't pay attention so i i, I have I have tuned it out more and more, um, and but we shouldn't. Um, yeah. You know the it's too important. It is. I mean, it's we, we as Christians, a lot of our core beliefs are on the ballot. Yeah. Take the take the person out of it. Yeah. The people behind. I mean, the, the people on the tickets. Take them out of it. There's a lot of core core beliefs that we hold near and dear to our hearts that are the core of who we are and what we stand on as believers are on the ballot more so now than any other time in history and so we should be educating ourselves we should we should be engaged and we should be voting and we should be voting in the direction that god is leading us not by how we feel yeah this needs to be bathed in prayer it uh, because it's the stakes are high. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the things is is that there's 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 some ambiguity in politics. There is an idea that some people think one way and some people think another way. But you know, with Christianity and with Jesus, there's no ambiguity. Mm-mm. It's very, very clear, and he made that very clear. Although we talked about a little bit about how the Bible is not 100% clear, and we don't know everything, because the Bible doesn't tell us everything. And so 
we've talked we talked about how there's there can be different interpretations of the book of revelation for example but there's no ambiguity in following christ and what it means to follow christ well you know one of the things that really just drives me crazy about our political landscape is the term evolved yeah you know you just changed your mind (laughs) but that doesn't sound good so let's say we evolved (laughs) you know a person evolves from pro-choice to pro-life. Well, that, that's that's not evolving. You changed that's changed your mind. Your mind. Yeah. Call it what it is. But there's one good thing about Christ and the Bible. It's the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. Yep. Nothing has evolved. Christ is Christ. And as as much as people have tried to challenge it, to poke holes in it, to say it's not true, everybody falls flat on their face. Many times the people that go to prove it wrong become believers in the process. That's right. Um, and, you know, we I've talked about the Billy Graham mess or sermon that I watched on TV from 50-something years ago. So much of the style has evolved. The music, what people were wearing back in the 50s at a Billy Graham crusade, you know, the, just the whole look and feel of those crusades has changed. But you close your eyes, and the message hasn't. And how many things How many things can we say that about? You know, we talk about the sport of running and how it's the most probably the most simple sport there is. But look how much hits evolved yeah. over the years. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that there's anything else that we can point to that we can say it was the same 2,000 years ago as it is today. That is true. That should be the, enough of a testimony for people to hang their hat there. Absolutely. But yet we've still got a lot of work to do. We do. We do. we got to love people anyway, no matter whether uh, we're being persecuted, as you were just talking about, or what, whatever it may be. Uh, we got got to love them, even when it's not easy. So it's time for trivia question, right? Mm-hmm. we got to have a trivia question. So here's the trivia question. And unfortunately... This trivia question I'm going to ask, I accidentally gave the answer away. Well, they didn't know it was going to be a trivia question. But on, on a, one of the, the Thursday night Zoom thing, mm-hmm. I actually talked about this. So well, We're going to see if everybody was listening. We're going to see if they were listening. <laughs> That's right. So before you ask the question, what, oh, are, we what are we giving away? away? So this week, thanks to our friends at J Radio, the greatest digital music platform in the world, we're going to give away a free three-month membership to J Radio. Sweet. So that's pretty awesome. That so is. number one, you have to be a Run Club member. Right. And if you're a Run Club member, as soon as you hear this question, if you're the first one to email Dean at Dean at runforgod.com, then Miss Gay is going to get you this membership. Yep. Free. We'll get you hooked up. Free 90 free. So here's the trivia question. Who won the first ever Olympic women's Olympic marathon? And what year was it done? Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to see what people think and what year that what year they think that is. How did how far apart from you know the famous picture you see of what was the lady's name that jumped in the Boston Marathon? The famous picture you see of the men trying to drag her off the course. What was her yeah. name? Do you remember her name? Yeah. Um, it's it's escaping me right now. I hate that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> putting you on the spot, Dan. Yes, and I can't remember the name. Oh my goodness. 
Anyway, yeah. I, Don't I know get it confused about. with that. Yeah. This no. is this is the Olympic yeah. marathon. That's right. Winner. That's right. And they were they were they were several years apart, but not many years apart. Mm. Um Hey, every week we share why running is so awesome. And so here's why running is so awesome. It changes your perspective. <laughs> when you become hardcore, a hardcore runner, you realize that things like getting up at 5 a.m. to go run is really not a big deal. Well, you enjoy it. Yeah. You enjoy the cra- the things that most people call crazy. You know, some of my favorite times to run are probably when I shouldn't be running, <laughs> yeah. i.e. lightning storms, which I'm not – I'm not endorsing running in lightning storms, but running in rain, I love it. Yeah. Sometimes lightning just happens to show up. Um, snow. That snow last year. We're, we were in a blizzard, <laughs> and we had all our triathlon kids out there. We're running down Cleveland Highway, which is the main road. You know, like three cars are on the road because people are sliding all over the place, and they're wondering who is these crazy people out here running down the sidewalk. And there's literally during the run, I think about – it snowed about three inches yeah, during right. the run. Yeah. And, uh, but man, you get back and you get that cup of hot chocolate or whatever, and you're like, man, I did that. That was so awesome. hardcore. Yeah. And yeah. meanwhile, the people that don't run are looking at you like, you're crazy. That's ridiculous. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think what that does is it takes things that look like they were big and hard to overcome in the past, sort of like the 5K challenge. Sure. People look at the 5K and go, I, I can't ever do that. And then they do it. And I think running gives you that ability to realize I can do more than what I think I can. Sure. So that's one of the great things about running. Motivational thought of the week. Challenges are what make life interesting, and overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. Mm. Yeah, that's a great, great quote from a guy named Joshua J. Marine, who coincidentally is a Marine. Really? Uh, Yeah. Um, I thought when I when I first saw that I thought well is this like a, a generic name for a but apparently this is a real guy with this name so um, challenges are what like ma- what makes life interesting overcoming them is what makes it life meaningful kind of goes along with that whole sentiment we we're just talking about yeah for sure makes um, you stronger yeah yeah so the run for God archives are full of people who are overcoming all sorts of issues. Um, we talked about it just the last week with, with Todd and, and, and the things that he went through mm. and overcame with God's help. And I still can't get over that story. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So what do you need to overcome? Is there something – do you have a hard time getting out there to run every day? Do you have a hard time getting out there to run three times a week? Do you have a hard time getting yourself motivated to eat better, to do, to do whatever? Well – the Run for God Run Club is here to help you with mm-hmm. that problem because it's a problem. Motivation is a problem for all of us at some point in time. Right. And Run Club is always there for you to fall back on when you get to that point where you, you need a little bit of a, a, a motivating thought, a motivating word, um, or just sometimes a kick in the pants, right? right. So, um, so if you are not a member of Run Club, you need to be a part of that. And you need to be a part of not only the part who is actually receiving the motivation, but also sharing your motivation with other people. Well, you've got the – in Run Club, you've got motivation, which usually falls to you and I or some of the people on Run Club. Motivation is the push. Mm-hmm. But we also have the pull. We have the accountability. That's right. Um, you know, that, that Run Club Facebook group is both. Yes. Um, because – 
not only is it a place for you to to put your goals out there, say, I want to do this, and, and people are going to encourage you, but people are going to follow up with you. You know, just last night or a few weeks ago, we had the uh, the Zoom the Zoom meeting, yeah. and uh, which was great, by the way. But one of the first questions that I heard was, tell me about Rusty. Rusty's a, a young man that's in our run club, and <laughs> an incredible story, but he actually – he was trying to do a thousand miles for the year. He 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 crossed over the thousand mile mark and had a heart attack. Yeah. And the first question in that Zoom meeting was, "How's Rusty doing?" Yeah. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of motivation, there's a lot of accountability, and there's a lot of prayer in that group. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we we want you to join us. We want yeah. you to join us so we can continue to point people to Jesus Christ through the sport of running. Yeah, so be a part of that. Get those benefits and so many more. There's so much more out there that you can that you have access to. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. We've talked about sharing your story. We'd love to hear your story. Um, you can do that at, at runforgod.com or runforgod, runforgodrunclub.com. <laughs> Trying to talk too fast, aren't I? Uh, now, go, go out there and, and, and uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you need to be subscribed. You need to be subscribed to the YouTube channel. You need to be getting notifications from the YouTube channel. And you need to be reviewing us and making sure that other people know about us. And sometimes that's the way people come to know about us. They find us on a, on a podcast mm-hmm. or they found us through YouTube or something else. So go out there and, and make sure that you're letting folks know about Run Club so we, you can share more. And our numbers can grow and we can share Christ more. That's the whole goal. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.